Well, for Advent, we are going to look at the person of Jesus Christ because he is the center of Advent and Christmas. And we'll be doing that by looking at some of the I, I am statements from the book of, of John. There are a number of statements where Christ claims to be uh, many things, and all of them are bold. And so we'll be looking at a few of those during, during Advent to see who is this person of Christ. We only find these I am sta statements in the Gospel of John. It's one of the things that makes it distinct from the other three Gospels. So today we'll be looking at <clears throat> a very interesting verse, uh, a passage of scripture from John 6. And I'll be reading selected uh, verses, so just um, sit back and listen. So this uh, statement follows uh, Christ's miracle of feeding the 5,000. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? <laughs> Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, or verily, verily I tell you. That means pay attention. You are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So they asked him, what sign then you, will you give us that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Then Jesus declared, and here is the I am statement. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And anyone who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them on the last day. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus said to, his, to the twelve, you do, not want me, you do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you would take these words of Scripture and the meditations in my heart, and we ask that you would animate them with your Holy Spirit and speak to us a word that we need to hear today. Uh, may our eyes and our ears and our hearts be open. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So there's a very poignant scene in the first Harry Potter movie. Very memorable. Harry, as you know, is an orphan. His parents have died. And 
Harry, the scene has it, stands before a mirror, a full-length mirror. And as he looks into the mirror, he sees himself, of course, but then also something very surprising. On either side of him, he sees his mom and his dad. And they are obviously taking great delight in being with their son. And of course, Harry is totally excited about being with his parents for the first time in a long time. Now, he can't figure out what this mirror is all about. At first, he thinks it's a mirror maybe of his future. Turns out, it is a mirror that reflects the fulfillment of the desire of his heart, his deepest desire. Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to stand in front of such a mirror? To stand in front of a mirror and see all the desires and all the yearnings, the longings of our hearts, both those close to the surface, those which we very much are aware of, and also those deeper desires that sometimes we may not even be in touch with. You see, we all have desires. We are full of desires, aren't we? We all have yearnings and longings and desires which we want very much to be satisfied. What are yours this morning? Now, I know for some of you, I can guess right away that if you were standing before that mirror, you would see a scoreboard that reflects a 49ers victory today (laughs) over those hated eagles. Or maybe your desire is a job promotion or getting healthy overcoming a health challenge. Or maybe, you know, you were running a little bit late today, you're a little hungry, and your desire is a donut hole. (laughs) I know you all love them. That's why you come to church. That's why you put them out there. Others of you, maybe your desires are a little more hidden, a little more beneath the surface. Maybe a desire that you've had for a long time that has gone unfulfilled. A desire for love or a desire for a material thing or some other thing, but because the disappointment of not having those desires for so long is too painful to even think about, you've buried it. And maybe for some of us, we can't really even identify our desires. Now, why are we talking about desires and longings and yearnings on this first Sunday of Advent? Well, as I've thought about Advent over the years, I have come to the conclusion that the season of Advent is very much about longings and desires. We see it in the music. For example, today as we close the worship service by singing, oh, one of my favorite hymns, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Well, there's a desire right there, just in the title. 
But in the first verse, what does it say? <clears throat> Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. I was going to sing it today, but I'm still recovering from this cold, so I'll spare you. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Wow, it's all right there, isn't it? And for the people of Jesus' time, wow, they had a lot of desires. They were desiring for the Messiah to come and to set them free from Roman oppression. I propose this morning that all of us have these desires, and they are universal desires. Some of these desires have been planted in our heart by God. You know, I was driving to the city yesterday, I was listening to NPR, and there was a <coughs> segment on... Um, growing older and how in our later years social connection is crucial to living a good life more important than maybe even for our health than not having smoked our entire lives isn't that something and so the woman that was uh they were interviewing said you know we have been designed for social connection and i thought wow did i just hear what i thought i heard on npr you know, to say we are designed is implying a creator. And then she was quick to correct herself. We have evolved with desires. <laughs> now, I, I don't deny there's evolution. It, it's obvious. Man, that God has created us, designed us, implanted in our hearts these certain longings and desires. There's no doubt about it. You can see it, and they're universal. Longings, desires for things like the, you know, the themes of Advent, peace and joy and hope and love, freedom. I think we all have a desire for justice, don't you? For satisfaction, for significance. These are deep desires in every human heart. Now, we might not always be aware of them, but they are there. And sometimes other desires that we are aware of that are closer to the surface are simply manifestations, symptoms, signs pointing to these deeper desires. Now, here is the miracle of Advent in Christmas. Boy, big things happen at Advent and Christmas, right? God has planted all these desires within our hearts and in the gift of his Son, Jesus Christ. All those desires can be fulfilled. Pretty cool arrangement, huh? That's how big Christmas is. That's how big the incarnation is that God became human and put on flesh and came to earth 
So these next four weeks, we're going to look at what Jesus said about himself, these I am statements. In the Greek, ego ami. And when Jews heard these words, I am, they knew what Jesus was talking about, that he's referring back to the passage in the burning bush when God said, I tell them, I am, ego ami, sent you. So they're all bold, pretty amazing statements. And this one today is simply incredible. I am the bread of life. Anyone who comes to me will never hunger. And anyone who believes in me will never thirst. Wow. At this point in the life of Jesus, he is at the height of his popularity. His reputation for performing miracles, for healing the blind and the sick, has the multitudes hoping that he might be the one. That he might be the Messiah that they have waited so long for. And this huge crowd gathers to hear him. 5,000. So many that they didn't prepare well (laughs) to feed them. And so Jesus performs the only miracle that is found in all four of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he sees this crowd that has gathered to hear him and decides to feed them miraculously, turning five loaves of bread and two fish into enough food to feed the multitudes. Now, this miracle has made Jesus, it makes him an instant hero. And the crowd wants to, right there and then, wants to make him king. Because Jesus has desired, or has done the one thing that we want all of our leaders to do. You can see this in the election right now. He has satisfied their desires. Their desire for food and bread. He gave them what they wanted. But Jesus, as he often does, preserves his freedom and does not allow the crowds to make him into somebody that he doesn't want to be. And so Jesus, as he so often does, he dialogues with the people and forces them to look beyond their obvious desires to deeper longings within their hearts. Jesus always takes teachable moments. And here he does it. He said to them, don't just work hard to get things that might satisfy you for a little while. Don't just be concerned with those desires for the bread of this world. But look beyond those things. Look for food that will bring you satisfaction deep within your soul. Look for the bread that will last beyond the momentary to what? to the eternal. And then he makes what amounted to be a very shocking statement for the crowd to hear. Now listen. They know what he's talking about here. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. 
And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Saying a lot here. Don't miss it. Powerful statement. What is Jesus saying here? Well, one thing he's saying for sure is, eat soul food. Don't just look for the material. There's something beyond the material. Look to the spiritual. You know, the crowds here, of course, they are excited about Jesus because he met a physical need. And for them, at this time, they know what it's like, the multitudes. They often know what it's like to go hungry, to to actually experience hunger. So for them, this is an amazing miracle. And they're enthusiastic about following him because, wow, they can help, he can help them satisfy their needs and their goals. But Jesus is saying to them, don't just desire physical bread. Search for spiritual bread that will meet your deepest yearnings. You know, it always amazes me as I read scripture how things haven't changed. <laughs> I mean, the world has changed so much, right? Oh my gosh. With all the technology and all the things that have happened, but human nature, we're pretty much the same as the people 2,000 years ago. So often today, we spend our whole lives in pursuit of bread that goes stale and moldy after a while. Instead of looking beyond the physical, instead of realizing that we are spiritual beings and that we need spiritual food. We look to things that can satisfy us for a while, but kind of the surface things And they're not bad, but then we get them and we have this restless itch, this deep hunger that will not go away. Well, I tell you, Jesus has made us. God has made us for these deeper things. And when we eat junk food, (laughs) that may be a little strong, but it's not the real food. It's not the whole food. So Jesus, first of all, challenges us to think about what really satisfies our deepest yearnings and to look beyond those things. And the second thing he says, and he wants to make clear is this, is he is the bread of life. He is the bread of life that can fulfill the spiritual hunger that every human has. Now, it's important to realize what Jesus didn't say here. He, said, he did not say, I am the bread giver, the one who meets all the immediate needs of people. He does not say, I am the bread giver who will give you all the things that you think will satisfy your desires. He does not say, I am the cake of life. 
or even I am the icing on the cake of life. You see, cake and, and icing, they're a luxury. They're not essential for life. Bread is. And that's why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am necessary for living. I am the basic stuff, the foundational stuff of life. You know, <clears throat> key point here, Christianity is not about getting everything that we want. And sometimes, you know, we will die with some of our deepest desires not being met. Whether it's a desire to be healed of hurts that we've experienced in the past or a desire to have someone that loves us with unconditional love to the person or any of the other deep desires that we have. It's not about discovering a bread giver who will give us all the bread that we want or all our wants. Instead, what Jesus is saying here is it is about getting to know Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life, the one who proves to be all we truly need in life, both now and for eternity. Blaise Pascal once said, man, or I would say humankind, wants to be happy, only wants to be happy, and cannot help wanting to be happy. And then he says this, the Stoics, who were, of course, important philosophers of the first century, what they would say is withdraw into yourself this is where you will find peace. In fact, they would train themselves not to want the things of the world. To tamp down the desires. So that you might have peace. And Pascal says, that is not true. Others say, go outside of yourself. So don't go inside, go outside. Look for happiness in some diversion. And that is not true. We may fall sick, or many other things can happen to our outside uh, diversions. Then he says this, this is key. Happiness is neither outside nor inside us. It is in God, both outside and inside us. Wow, that's a great quote. Sometimes we look to external things, and often we get those things and we realize this doesn't satisfy. Other times, so we begin an inward journey, trying to figure out who we are, looking internally. This isn't necessarily bad. In fact, it can be really good. But inevitably, that doesn't satisfy either. I've said this before, but I, I just love this. I met with a young woman one time, who said she had been searching. She was a spiritual seeker. She was probably 40, 45, great person. Had such a journey seeking for what we're talking about here. Spiritual, she was seeking. By the time she came to me, she said, Steve, you know, I can't try one more yoga pose. What a great, and that, I think yoga is great. But what a great way of saying it. I, I've tried it all. I'm not finding the bread. 
I'll close with this. I, you know, I've been praying for us as a church that this Advent season will be a rich time for us. You know, it's a spiritual season. That it will be a time of deepening our walks with Christ, of having regular meals with Jesus. And in the midst of all the busyness, all the parties and the activities and shopping and decorating and church stuff, that we don't forget the bread of life. And that we set aside time in all the busyness for spiritual reflection. We set aside time to ponder the grand miracle, as C.S. Lewis says. The miracle, miracles of all miracles. Lewis says, if you can believe in the miracle of God becoming human, and moving into the neighborhood. And all the other miracles are easy. Pondering that. Maybe for some of us, you know, it's just saying, I will come to every Advent service this Advent season. You know, I'm kind of spotty. I come every six weeks or two months or twice a year. But this Advent, I'm going to feast at every worship service on the four Sundays of Advent. Maybe it's just asking God to reveal God's self to you for the first time. And taking time to, to think about that. Maybe it's just getting a devotional. There are so many great resources today, online, in books, Great devotionals that you can read every day to make you think about something other than all the stuff going on. The psalm says this. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good and know that we are all he wants and he is all we need. Let's pray together. God, we pray that today as we partake in your meal, that you would feed us. And we pray for this time of Advent that it would be rich for us, both as individuals and as a church. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.